0: On the evening of September 6, 2006, a registered nurse named Susan Kuhnhausen arrived home from work, looking forward to relaxing after her long shift. What she didn't know at the time is that there was an intruder lying in wait inside her home. The night would end with a man dead and Susan injured and traumatized. This is the unbelievable survival story of Susan Kuhnhausen. I'm Ashton, and welcome to The Haunted Corner. everyone welcome back to the haunted corner today i have a survival story for you about an amazing woman named susan walters at this time of this case she went by susan Kuhnhausen, and this is one of the first cases that i heard about when i started listening to true crime podcasts it's a shocking one but susan is amazing let's get into it the story begins with a woman named susan She became a licensed practical nurse and then a registered nurse. She moved to Oregon in the early 80s, settling first in Coos Bay and later Portland, where she worked as an ER nurse at Providence Portland Medical Center. Susan was outgoing and fun, and she was known for her loud, boisterous laugh, which, same. She loved to attend comedy shows where she would sit in the front row. Susan was always cautious about love and marriage, but in 1988, a friend and Susan's mother paid for a personal ad for her in Willebent Week for her 33rd birthday, which I'm wondering now why my mom didn't do that for me on my last birthday, but that's a topic for another day. The ad read for Susan, quote, Someone different, single white female, 33, overweight but not over life, seeks single male who wants more out of a relationship than just slender. So Susan just sounded awesome. Um, Within two weeks, she received a reply from a 40-year-old man named Mike Kuhnhausen. He wrote, quote, hi, different. My name is Mike. I'm a 39-year-old divorced white male. I enjoy most things in nature from wandering in the ape caves at Mount St. Helens to walking on the beach at sunset. So she called Mike and she introduced herself. He told her that he was a Vietnam, Met, uh, Vietnam vet and he now worked as a janitorial supervisor. He had previously been married and had two young children The two first spoke on the phone on January 30th of 1988, and Susan marked this date in her kitten-themed daybook with a smiley face and a red ballpoint pen. They talked on the phone a lot before they actually met for the first time, and eventually they started dating. Their first date was at a garden next to Reed College, where they fed ducks and squirrels. Mike enjoyed being a homebody, so they did stay in a lot. But Susan was an extrovert and she still loved to go out with her friends and to travel. And all of that seemed to be cool with Mike at first. Susan and Mike moved in together in May of 1988. And in December, the couple married in Reno, Nevada, in an intimate ceremony with their family and friends. Susan felt optimistic about their future together. She was happy. The couple settled into marriage life in Portland, and within a few years of the wedding, Mike got a new job as a janitorial supervisor for Oregon Entertainment, the parent company of Fantasy Adult Video. Susan enjoyed being a wife. She loved Mike's young children as if they were her own, and everything seemed to be going well. But one day, Mike said something to her that she thought was strange. He told her, Marriage changes people. And then he asked, so who do you think is going to change more, you or me? And this would be ominous foreshadowing of things to come. Several years into the marriage, Mike began to become obsessed with how much money Susan spent, which was strange considering that money had never been an issue before. She made more than he did. She was a nurse, but he would complain about small purchases and things that students that Susan did and others began to notice that Mike was changing as well. Susan's friend Helen described how when she would call Mike would be listening to their conversation in the background and being negative and unpleasant so Susan would often just hang up so that she didn't have to deal with that while she was on the phone with her friend. Over time Mike's behavior continued to spiral His anxiety was at an all-time high, and he told Susan that he didn't think he had ever been happy. So things were not going well. And then in the summer of 2005, Susan suggested that they attend counseling, but Mike refused. He claimed that counseling is what had ended his first marriage, but Susan was insistent and gave him an ultimatum. She's like, look, either we go to counseling or I'm filing for divorce. So Mike reluctantly agreed, and the two went to counseling, but there wasn't an improvement in the relationship or in Mike's behavior. So in September of 2005, the couple agreed to a trial separation. But they did still spend time together. They had grandchildren by this point, so Mike would come over and spend time with them. Susan didn't change the alarm code, and she only had one request. He wasn't allowed to go into her house when she wasn't home but she had a feeling that maybe he was in the house when she wasn't home and possibly going through her things. But Susan was doing well at this point. During the separation, she realized that she had made the right choice. She was happy and ready to move on. But Mike seemed to be hanging on to the hope that the couple would reconcile. But by late summer of 2006, Susan separated their bank accounts and moved forward with the divorce. On September 6th of 2006, Susan called Mike around 3 o'clock p.m. She was getting ready to head out of town for a nursing convention, and she claims that when Mike picked up the phone, he seemed kind of irritated and almost surprised to be hearing from her. He told her, quote, I just can't take it anymore. I'm heading to the beach. I left you a note at the house. Later that evening, the 51-year-old emergency room nurse ended her shift at Providence Portland Medical Center on Northeast Gilson Street and headed to the perfect-looked hair salon on East Burnside Street. She read a magazine while she waited for her appointment and headed home after. Susan arrived at her house around 6.30 p.m. She entered through the mudroom where she disarmed the alarm, and she found the note from Mike near the microwave. The note read, quote, Sue, haven't been sleeping, had to get away, went to the beach. Susan noticed the house was eerily dark, specifically her room. She was almost certain that she had left the blinds open that day. And as she approached her bedroom, she noticed it was dark and the door was partially closed. And that's when a man stepped out from behind the door. The man was approximately five foot nine and weighed around 190 pounds. He wore dockers, a blue striped shirt, and a tan baseball hat pulled low over his eyes. His long hair was in a ponytail tucked into a baseball cap. He was also wearing yellow rubber gloves on his hands and was carrying a red and black claw hammer. The man began, began attacking Susan and hitting her with the hammer. She tried to escape, but quickly realized that she was trapped. Susan was about five foot four. She had two bad knees, but she outweighed the attacker. And as a registered nurse, she had been trained in self-defense and knew how to slip out of headlocks. The first blow of the hammer landed on Susan's left temple. The intruder was still coming at her with an excitement in his eyes that terrified her. And that's when things kind of shifted for her. She realized that she couldn't get out of this by running. She knew it was either him or her at that point, so she fought. As the intruder raised the hammer to strike her again, she slammed her body into his, hoping that he would fall down. Instead, he slammed her into the wall and he said, You're strong, before coming at her again. She managed to get the hammer away from him and landed a few blows on the man's head before he got the hammer back. At that point, Susan grabbed him by the neck and started to squeeze while screaming, Who are you? Who sent you here? The man started to turn purple. At that point, she thought he was going to fall to the ground, so she let go. But the intruder was not done yet. He ran after Susan and punched her in the face. As Susan was falling to the ground, she took him down with her. She was pulling at him and biting his leg, his arm, and his side. She wanted to leave evidence if she was going to die that day. The struggle had been going on for 14 minutes at that point. She eventually got her attacker to the floor. They were both wedged on their sides in the hallway outside Susan's bedroom. She threw her leg, her left leg over his body climbed up on top of him and hooked her left arm around his neck as she's doing this she's screaming at the man who sent you who sent you tell me who sent you and i'll call you a fucking ambulance he didn't say anything he just kind of growled at her so she continued to squeeze his neck until he stopped moving with the intruder unconscious on the floor, Susan grabbed the hammer and ran. She ran to the neighbor's porch and she said, "Quote, open the door, call the police. I've been attacked and I think I've killed a man." The 911 call came in, and here's a little bit of the transcript. The neighbor said, "Quote, we have an intruder in the house next door. The intruder was in the bedroom with a hammer. The woman who lives there thinks she may have strangled him. He was down when she left." The operator asked her, can you put her on the phone? And the neighbor replied, she's bleeding. So the operator said, does she need an ambulance? And the neighbor responded, no, she's a nurse. She says, call an ambulance for the guy, he may be dead. The dispatcher asked if the man was alone and the neighbor said, no, she expressed a concern. It may have been her ex-partner who sent the person. Authorities arrived, and Susan was taken to the same hospital she worked at. She had huge lumps all over her head, a gash in her lip, bruises on her face, and bite marks on her arm. And she immediately knew who could have been behind the attack, her ex-husband, Mike Kuhnhausen. There was no sign of forced entry or evidence of a break-in, and this would make sense because Mike knew the alarm code and would have been able to disarm it. Back at the house, police confirmed that the intruder was dead. The man was identified as Ed Haffey, an experienced hitman. He was a 59-year-old Vietnam veteran with a long rap sheet. An autopsy would show that he had a near-lethal dose of cocaine in his system when he attacked Susan in her home. And this was not his first time participating in a horrific crime. On February 28 of 1991, Ed Haffey arranged the murder of his ex-girlfriend, 39-year-old Georgia Lee Dutton. Her body was later found near Roseburg. He pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit aggravated murder on March 14 of 1994 and spent the next nine years in the Eastern Oregon Correctional Institution. He was released on November 3, 2003. After he got out, he moved to Portland and found a job when Mike Kuhnhausen hired him to clean floors at Fantasy Adult Video. The day after the attack, Susan's friend Helen was helping to clean up when she discovered a backpack in the basement. Police hadn't noticed the backpack when they initially inspected the basement earlier. Inside of the backpack was a container of Hershey syrup, $200 in cash. Diabetes pills, a daybook and a pay stub made out to Ed Haffey. An entry in the daybook for Monday, September 4th, 2006, was marked, quote, call Mike, get letter. A manila envelope listed Mike's new cell phone number on it. So the evidence against Mike Kuhnhausen was mounting. It was looking pretty suspicious, but he was nowhere to be found. He wasn't concerned with his wife's attack, clearly. He didn't call the hospital to check on Susan or family or neighbors or anybody or call the police to be like, "Uh, hey, that's my wife. What are you doing about this attack? So it was looking pretty suspicious and not knowing where he was. Susan was terrified. She couldn't go back in the home, nor did she want to at that point. But it was a really scary time for her. On September 8th, Mike left a suicide note at his father's house that read, quote, all I ever wanted was to be loved. And every time I had it, I fucked it up. He then took off and police put out a search bulletin for him. He remained missing until 10 a.m. on September 13th, when a Clackamas County Sheriff's Deputy finally caught up with Mike, stopping him in the parking garage of Kaiser Sunnyside Sunysi- Medical Center, where Mike claimed to be checking himself in. He told officers that he had nothing left to live for, and they put him on a psychiatric hold and then arrested him for a conspiracy to commit murder. When he was in custody, police questioned him about his whereabouts on the day of the attack and his connection to Ed Haffey. He claimed that he knew Ed Haffey, which police already knew at that point. But he said that just because he knew the guy didn't mean he was involved in the attack on his wife. But police were not buying it. Mike had lost his job just a few weeks earlier. He had no place to live. Susan had named her brother as a beneficiary on her life insurance policy, and Mike knew that. Along with that, there were no signs of forced entry at Susan's home, but security records showed someone had disabled the alarm at the house while Susan was at work on September 6th. Mike would later say that he did it while he was dropping off the note, about going to the beach, but he denied letting Ed Haffey inside the home. On September 18th, a former cellmate of Ed Haffey's contacted police saying that Ed had asked him to join a burglary and insurance scam. He and Ed met a guy at Southeast 82nd Avenue and Division Street. The man was Mike Kuhnhausen, who told the Cellmate that he would pay him $5,000 if he helped Ed Haffey kill his wife. But the man refused. And then on November 17th, another witness told police he'd driven Ed Haffey to meet a bald man in the parking lot of an Applebee's near Interstate 205. Days after that, he saw the man's picture in the news after Susan's attack, and it was, yep, you guessed it, Mike Kuhnhausen. On August 30th, 2007, Mike Kuhnhausen pleaded guilty to soliciting his wife Susan's murder. He was charged with solicitation of aggravated murder and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Susan filed for divorce the day after Mike's arrest, and she eventually sued him for $1 million, stating that she wanted to make sure he didn't have enough money to hire another hitman to finish the job but he wouldn't get the chance. Mike was supposed to be released on September 14th, 2014, but 92 days before his release, on Friday the 13th, he died in prison of cancer. Fucking bye, Mike. Susan continued to work as a nurse until 2014, and since then, Susan, now known as Susan Walters, has continued her advocacy work focusing on helping other victims of crimes and living life on our own terms. In a quote from the trial, Susan said to her ex-husband, Mike, quote, "'You were willing for me to share our small, miserable life "'until death we did part. "'The sooner the better, as it turned out. "'I am damaged by what you have done to me. "'I am damaged, but I am not destroyed.'" And that is the incredible survival story of Susan Kuhnhausen. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. The sources for today's episode will be listed on the blog post at www.thehauntedcorner.com. I'll link that in the show notes as well. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube and new episodes drop twice a week. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to share your support, head on over to Patreon. You'll have access to the exclusive Patreon-only episodes. Big Nose George is up right now, and there's a new one coming about another badass queen that you guys are going to want to hear. So subscribe there, patreon.com forward slash The Haunted Corner to join now. There's a $1 per month level, a $5 per month level. Pick your favorite, and let's do it. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend. If you have a case suggestion or a correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Bye.